Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live outrage. from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time about. for Mortgage Matters. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Special welcome to Michael Points. Hey, hey, hey. Our birthday boy. Really? Birthday? Today? I mean, scratching at it. Hmm. Next week. 10 4. That's my birthday. The good buddy birthday? The good buddy birthday. That's funny. You know, 10-4 is one of those poker hands for me that I always play, especially if it's suited, but it doesn't need to be. I call it the good buddy hand. Yeah, I get that hand a lot. I feel I feel like a lot of people do. It's weird It's weird how yeah. often it, it'll win, though, especially if you go all in with it pre-flop. <laughs> <laughs> That seems drastic. Pro tip. <laughs> if you are a poker player, this is not what we talk about on this show, obviously. 10-4 has got to be a fold every time unless you're in that position seat for me. Just because there's too many uh, too many ifs and buts. The ifs and buts will drive you nuts, right? After the flop. Comes from the- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, welcome, well, everyone. Good that, morning. That's the worst thing is you get into it and then... <clears throat> and then you catch a small part of it. Like the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to get fours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trip fours, yeah. Maybe you'll get fours and like three cards to the flush. Yeah. I haven't played cards in a while. Part of that's my fault. Yeah. Agreed. But, but I, I would like to do that soon. So we got uh, Mike Points in the studio today. Dan's on vacation. Is he on vacation? Headed to Sacramento. Yeah. Not sure what he's doing there. Doesn't sound like vacation to me. Sacramento's not a bad place. I just would rather go to Hawaii or or anywhere else. Nah, I mean not anywhere. Not like Lodi. Not Bakersfield. What's that scene from Wayne? Just say you'd rather go to Lodi. Stuck in Lodi, right? We gotta bring that song up. Old oh. old Lodi. Oh Lodi. Uh that's um Credence. Is that CCR? Yeah. What do what I would say is, um, I'm glad I'm stuck here, Jason. Uh, earlier this week, we had the Home Builders um, Public Officials Night event out at Tolosa Winery. So no, wait, wait, sorry, start over again. You had a so the Home Builders Association here on the Central Coast includes uh, San Luis Obispo County, Santa Barbara County, um, and once every other year we have what's called a public officials night where we invite the public officials from each municipality to break bread if you will because a lot of times the builders and the public officials are not battling each other but they can be on opposite sides of the aisle with regards to growth inventory depending on what the public officials are representing and their base of citizens some people don't like new growth. Some people don't want housing. Some people love housing. So we just get together and have wine, cheese, You're... Try, try to enjoy ourselves. And I was out at Tolosa, and it was gorgeous at 530. That ground oh. is awesome. Yeah, that's a nice property. Yeah, and so 
Did you make any headway? Did you guys were you able to bribe any officials? There's no bribing other than a good Pinot Noir, but um, it is. It's really just uh, yeah. Uh, it's to say it's, rapport building. We're not talking about projects there. We're talking about like, hey, well, you know, what do your grandkids do and things like that. Try to humanize each other. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of situations in the next five years i believe in this county and definitely santa barbara county they're they're building hard too in santa maria where we're gonna have to sit across the table from these people and try to figure something out yeah good bad or indifferent so it makes sense to add the human element we were talking about places to go and i i know i hear it all the time when my guests come usually about sunday morning they're getting ready. They're packing up. We're about to go to brunch. And, um, you know, like before you can start the conversation at breakfast, they'll say, so we've been talking and we want to move here. <laughs> and you just, that's exactly. We don't have room for you. That, that's the chuckle. <laughs> that's the chuckle that I give them too. Be ready to take a pay cut. Be ready to pay quite a bit for your normal home. But certainly be ready to enjoy the good life, right? I mean, hiking wine tasting, softball playing. It's paradise, baby. You could do it all here. It's paradise. If I cough into the radio today, I apologize. I'm coming down with what it feels like a little bit of a nasal congestion. Mm. You can tell my voice is just a bit more baritone today. Yeah, it sounds extra jazzy. <laughs> Smooth jazz. <laughs> Jim's already asleep. Um, we lull Jim to sleep <laughs> yeah, a lot on the show. I know. I know, I'm actually paying attention. Oh, awesome. I already got the music queued up for after the break. Love that about you, baby. Yeah. On top of it. Love that about you. Do you have a Do you have a special song queued up for a fellow turning thirty eight? Well, that's a tough man, one to write a song yeah. about. Thirty eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's thirty eight. Yeah, thirty eight's like the uh, over just the a reference. Late thirties for sure. I'm just, I'm just kind like of a, you. You can't even really argue anymore. You're late thirties. No, definitely. Yeah. Not yeah. mid. Yeah. No. No. Not mid. Because I think 30s. I score, I score mid yeah. as like yeah. 34, 35, 36. Six, yeah. So. This is late. Late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What happens at 40? Uh, but it actually, he falls into that, almost into the 40-something thing. Let me just tell you, <laughs> I'm barely 40 and an incredibly healthy and uh, youthful 40, so mm-hmm. I have limited experience. But let me tell you some of the things that happen. Mm. Um, I wish we were on webcam right now, but I got this. <laughs> Do you see my no, silver? No, you don't uh, wish we were yeah. on webcam my right silver now. chest hair right here? Yeah. You just yeah. don't. Uh, yeah. Found that guy actually on uh, Monday or Tuesday. Oh, Dude, I got it going down the middle. I, I know you're already looking more more silvery than I. I don't know why. Uh, but otherwise, stress. you might um, you might have a day where you wake up and uh, are somehow certain you uh, sprained your wrist in the middle of the night, not <laughs> knowing how, and have pain there for several weeks or yeah. months. That sounds terrible. Like, how much no exercise of how is the injury like hurting? Yeah. And it's like getting the thing going again once you get up. It's like, you know, oh, how, yes. how do I, Are did, you already, did I really exercise that much yesterday that I mean, that much, you know, movement? Pain? Yeah. And if you do go yeah. for a good hike or workout, uh-huh. you might find yourself needing um, the mm-hmm. second and third day yeah. for sore <laughs> legs, yeah. which is really weird. Yeah, yeah I've got that. The yeah. first day isn't bad, but if it's slightly bad on the first day, you yeah. know the second day is going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, I think 
you know, I'm excited. I think the 40s are going to be great. My 30s were terrific. Um, moved here, sold a business, became a loan officer, um, built more, got like a new real core relationship with my siblings. You know, you get 20, 25, and I think a lot of people fall into that trap where they're like, I'm going to go out and do my thing. And you forget about all the real little important things. Like I have sisters that I haven't called in six months, you know? Yeah. So feel good about that. It's crazy that they're having That's kids. That's the other thing, by the way, that happens when you're 40. I think 40 though, you act truly, you really feel like you're still all good. Like everything's okay. But you realize now that you're absolutely not invincible. And like I have friends um, that are older and I see things that, um, you know, they're kind of losing. And I'm like, okay, you got to know that you ha what you have is good and focus on retaining and using the heck out of all those things you have. And, and, and I mean that in terms of even relationships too, mm -hmm. is, um, Oh, of course. I feel like 40 makes you realize it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful time of life. You'll do great. Yeah. And it's 2 years away for you. So you have plenty It's of 2 years time. away. You don't get better interest rates when you're 40, do you? Um, no, I think your car insurance actually starts going back up. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, thank no. you for thank you for mentioning my birthday. It hasn't really been on my mind. Yeah. Happy, That's another thing, too, getting older, right? Happy, happy birthday. Thanks. Oh, they mean less the older you get, right? Yeah, the diminishing return. Not like 16, return. 21, 25 to rent a car. <laughs> that was fun. Then what comes after that? Yeah. Nothing good. Yeah. All right. Well, we have things to talk about today. This is a mortgage and economics show. You're listening to... Uh, you're listening to this to, to get schooled up on some of these things, and some exciting things happened this week. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, we had um, a Fed meeting. A lot of the uh, data this week seems to have gotten lost in the noise of, um, you know, that the Senate hearing stuff seemed to be all of anything anyone wanted to talk about, and... Uh, in between that, if you were able to click past those multiple headlines and find um, some in there to talk about the the other things we learned, there was a Fed meeting this week, and um, guess what, Mike? I think I can. What? Did we raise something? Yes, we raised interest rates uh it was super expected i mean i when i say super expected wait, there's like these odds like the bookies release these odds of the probability of a rate hike uh the september rate hike number was over 95 percent for quite a while um the feds have done a pretty good job of being transparent they told us that we should expect a rate hike. Um, they also told us we should expect one more this year. So we know right. we know that will happen in December, which puts the probability of that rate hike plenty high. Um, so now the uh, the range, if you will, is two to two and a quarter percent. 
So um, if you have some debt that's based on prime, um, like most home equity line of credit, um, those kind of things, it went up by a quarter of a point this week. Shouldn't have been surprising to you. Um, and, you know, the other things that we figured out is that the uh, the feds have told us now that they intend to raise interest rates probably three times next year in 2019 and three times in 2020. Does that sound wild? I don't know. I, I watched the press conference. Yeah? Yeah, I watched it all. It was about 45 minutes. The questions are the best part, I think, but the press conference itself really did. The, the questions press the topics and I think really ask for true elaboration on what the committee decides. But when watching it, it looked like all of the projections for things such as unemployment, inflation, price core price inflation seemed pretty regulated, like pretty right in the lane that the U.S. economy needs it to be, which I thought was very interesting. And they asked the question, you know, where, how, how are you coming up with these three, five-year out, excuse me, one and three-year out projections? And the funny thing is, is their answer is more or less, well, you know, we've got a very diverse group of people that debate and get into these facts. And we've just come to find that these projections are right there. And, you know, it's tough to say, I mean, since the 1960s, we haven't seen unemployment stay consistently this low. Right. And I think what the feds are doing well is just monitoring, <clears throat> monitoring the system as a whole. But there's a lot of people in the equity market that are starting to get a little bit upset about what's going on here. Yeah. And and in the real estate market, I feel too. Yeah. Well, we know our president's not a big fan of these rate hikes lately. Uh, we also know that um was having a conversation with Dixon in our office about this the other day. He's our kind of our secondary guy, I guess, that takes care of rate locks and things like that. And he's a younger guy too, wasn't in business during a recession yet. So kind of lacks a little bit of that experience. Oh, by the way, Mike. That's other fun things you get when you're 40. Broader perspective of a, a lot more events and uh, those experiences of being in the in the business when you go through market corrections and things like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, one of the things I was sharing with Dixon is, um, let me ask you the same question. I'll lead you the same way I led him. Mike, is it possible that the U.S. could face an economic correction, i.e. recession, in the next 18 to 36 months. Is it possible? I believe it is. Okay, it's possible. And you know what the feds do during recession? They cut interest rates. Yeah. So if the rates aren't up, right? If you've already got that tool out, <clears throat> then you don't have that tool in the bag to use, you know, when you need it. Yep. So I believe what they're doing right now is that the, the environment is safe enough that you start to get that tool back in the bag. Yeah. Um, you're just normalizing interest rates, trying to give yourself some headroom, right? We can't start the party with the volume on 10. And that's really what you're doing when you've got interest rates at zero to a quarter percent. Um, so now we're working our way up. Now we're at two to two and a quarter, right? So we're basically, we're getting ready 
um, to have that tool back in the bag again. I'd say it's half in the bag, right? So it's, I don't think it's that they're confident that um, we can withstand the rate hikes. I think they're hopeful that we can. Um, we should all be hopeful that we can. Yeah. But in the event that we're not, with especially potentially six more rate hikes in the next 24 months, we could be in a position where we have a lot of headroom to be able to cut interest rates. So that's a part of it. Um, I don't want to make our caller hold too long, so I'll uh, pause. pause. I'll give you the second part when I'm we come you. back here. But let's go ahead and take this phone call from George in Santa Margarita. Good morning, George. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Uh, I want to talk about the feds. Let's do it. You know, we have copyright laws. Uh, for example, if you had a coffee shop called Starbucks, for example. Yeah. And you know, next door or down the street, somebody mm-hmm. wanted to open up a coffee shop that said, and entitled it Star Trucks. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a battle there. Because With a green and white logo. logo. Yeah. You know, gotcha. and, and this is a problem I've always had with the, uh, with the feds. They're not the feds. They're not the government. Right. A, it's a private bank. And, and unfortunately, the majority of the public don't really understand that, and they think that it's our government that's hiking the, rate, the rates up. But it's not. It's, it's the bank that has loaned money to this country, uh, private parties, uh, that, create, that are, we're indebted to, but, but what, $21 trillion? Sure. Something, something like that. And so, you know, there's these private families that are, Manipulating the interest rates uh, in consort with our government, I'm sure, but uh, they're not federal. They're not the feds. Yeah, they're a, a private bank, and and I I think at some point we need to change it from the Federal Reserve Bank to, uh, you know, the People's Advisory Bank, whatever, or uh, the Special People's Advisory Bank, because those people certainly are not working for a living. They're just counting money. Yeah. And uh, anyhow, that's just what I wanted to throw in there because, and we don't even say the Federal Reserve Bank; we just say the Feds, or the you know, and it sounds too much like the federal government, which it is not. I agree, and you know, it's one of those things where um, it, it's also pretty ambiguous, where it's hard to understand where the the government influence or control or receptiveness begins and ends with what the Fed has to say. Um, right. A, I mean, you can't even have a game of checkers unless the, the boxes are red and black. If, they're, right. if they all look the same color, how can you how can you play fairly? Yep, it's interesting. I agree. So, anyhow, I just wanted to throw that in there. Thanks, George. Okay, bye. <clears throat> Mike, you referenced inflation, and um, as you well know, we we ran below target inflation for years. Um, post-recession, a a lack of real GDP growth, um, a soft, albeit firming, labor market, um, a housing market in recovery. Uh, We we just were in this position where um, we didn't have real inflation. And many people um, predicted severe inflation based on the injection of all of the, the bailout monies, right? Um, but not only that, but also just the, the loose monetary policy. In correlation to uh, all of the, the TARP funds, the bailout money, um, the, the, the stimulus package um, 
geared at a variety of industries. Um, you also had crazy low interest rates where the idea was to thaw a frozen credit market and help people uh, have funds to, to borrow, finance, get those cars, get those <clears> houses, <throat> uh, lower some of your interest costs, but hopefully get the economy moving, be a shot in the arm, right? Kind of like a, a steroid injection. Um, well, it's almost like if we use the steroid as a, um, as an example, doing the exercises, right? Taking the steroids and everybody's going, Hey, how come, how come no real muscles? We would have expected like, uh, the Hulk at this point, we would expect runaway inflation. We would expect a white hot economy. We would expect things radically overvalued, uh, valued as we've, created this affordability and this um, almost a false affordability as we've got all these people confident and borrowing and spending at these low levels, creating that is that pig, Pygmalion economy where you just get it all going. Um, and the idea is that that's how it works, right? And the fear was that when it really got hold, which arguably could be the season we're heading into now, where you have maximum employment, you have um, housing near its peak. You have consumer spending pretty strong, um, confidence really high. Uh, kind of all of these things are all hitting at once, and um, you could potentially experience runaway inflation. And that's where the feds would use interest rates. And we saw this um, multiple times in other uh cycles i think and i think ultimately this is one of the main purposes of the <clears throat> fed is to say that when you recognize that um then you start raising up interest rates to try to cool it down a little bit prevent it from getting over hot prevent the inflation becoming detrimental right to where you'd end up in a period of stagflation or things like this and um so that's supposedly why we have the um, the Federal Reserve at the helm to make sure that we've got some monetary policy supposed to be apolitical, but even that line feels blurred a little bit lately. Mm -hmm. um, and so here you go. You know, it's a, it seems still like a great experiment, does it? Um, but that's where we are. And I'll go back to the reason I brought this up. I don't necessarily want to discuss and debate the value or the um, the Fed or its pseudo government power or any of those things. I just want to bring back how does it impact you and I? And if right now the target rate is two and two to two and a quarter, it's what it is. Um, and they intend to raise interest rates potentially six more times in the next twenty four months. Um, most of the Fed rate hikes are at the quarter of a point range. So that puts us at a point and a half over where we are today. The Fed interest rate does not change interest rates on things like mortgages directly. There's an indirect relationship there that we know tracks in a relatively predictable way, but it doesn't follow it directly. So I'll just say let's take the indirect as equal and call it a percent and a half higher than where we are today. Um, it sounds like they're prescribing interest rates for your 30-year fix at 6.5%. How's that shoe fit, Mr. Points? That's tough. 
feels high, right? I mean, we're already pinched. Wages haven't kept up with the cost of housing. Well, it's tough, too, because of the pricing. The appreciation we've seen in the last four years has been tremendous. Great for people's personal balance sheets. Terrible for those waiting to get in the game and buy their first home. Or terrible for those who had derogatory credit event where they had to lose a house or couldn't get couldn't get credit to buy a house and now are coming to that period in time where they can and to go and qualify is really really tough for some of these people mainly because i think interest rates aren't unreasonable now but when you add that other variable to the equation which is the price of real estate to be sold today it is, and, and that's why I'm really thrilled that we're going to have Jerry Reynolds on the show today, a local appraiser who I think does a really good job. As you know, Jay, we can't pick appraisers. We don't know who the appraiser is, but I'm always very pleased when I see a report come from Jerry because I rarely get comments back. This guy knows what's going on, and I mention him only because I think he's going to talk to us about how pricing is starting to be dropped. Oh, come on. I... So so we're going to have a debate. We're going to have a debate. We're going to have a debate. I want to debate this. Part of this you know, recession that you think is coming in 18 to 24 months is going to be a derivative. I didn't say that. I asked you if it was possible. You're right. I'm sorry. I did, I did, I did um, paraphrase. I, I actually, I, I still am going to maintain the point. Um, my position on this is I think that we are... Um, I think the Fed's believing that they can raise rates six times in the next 24 months is optimistic. I think the threat of that is kind of benign. Um, granted, they've been doing what they've said they've been doing, but I think we're nearing a top right now in terms of how much farther the um, economy will tolerate higher interest rates. Um, I I believe that yeah, I love that conversation because we we have the power to react as a market. We do. And at the same time, and, and this is what um, you know, I'm I'm excited to talk to Jerry about too, is um there's still a scarcity of housing. And I I appreciate that it's at all time uh unaffordable prices and you couple that with the interest rates and loan products available for what that affordability um, is. It's it's at all time lows. It's really expensive. I I will concede that point immediately. Um, there's too many things about this economic cycle that are different, and I think that mm. it's a long time before we see mm -hmm. um, a real decline. And when I say a real decline. Um, I expect longer marketing times. I expect um, minimal price reductions. I expect a change in the seller mentality, but I don't expect housing, the median house price to drop by five or 10%. No, not at all. And I, I don't I don't expect that we'll find ourselves in a position where we're saturated with listings. I don't expect we'll find ourselves in a position where the sentiment around real estate changes or returns to what it was during the last recession. So, um, and That'll I think good. those are all really important things to remember as we talk about this, because um, the, the context of 
of this whole conversation is usually from the premise of, are we due for a major correction in real estate? And I think the layman believes that we are. And um, many people, even within our industry, that that I believe should know better still believe that we really are. So anyhow, I'm looking forward to that segment. There's more to talk about before we have Jerry on the show. We still have more economic stuff to get through. I want to get through that. Uh, Simon, take a commercial break here. We need to take some time out to thank the sponsors. And after that short break, we'll be back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's nothing like the euphoric feeling you get when you find the perfect home. The last thing you want is the embarrassment of discovering you don't qualify. It can actually cost you your deposit. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-396-08. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. We're the mortgage expert. On the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to CentralCoastLending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. stuff there what a storyteller right uh, Fogarty oh. yeah good guy how do you get stuck there probably a woman 
Blown radiator hose or sleeping right back. Oh, you know what? We should have had him call in before yeah. a motor. Motor mouse. Stuck in load again. <laughs> All right. Sometimes I say jokes that I think are going to be funny, and Jay just like looks away from me like, All right, let's just get back to the show. Yeah. <laughs> I like your sense of humor. I got seasoned this year. I was on the show a lot. Before this year, I was kind of like the little mouse over here that was like, yes, interest rates. Now I'm, I'm feeling a lot more comfortable. In fact, speaking of feeling comfortable, George, you've been on hold getting real comfortable over there. Good, Welcome to the show, George. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I had a quick question about mortgage insurance. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, I was wondering what, what, what part of the uh, loan approval is attached to that. I assume it's the loan itself. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, so there's various types of mortgage insurance and, you know, essentially there's, I think there's about eight companies that are approved to provide private mortgage insurance. And as you could imagine, it's a well-regulated part under the department of insurance and, you know, essentially their prices are all very similar. Their guidelines are all very similar. They do have kind of price adjusting that attempts to, um, Take market share. Yeah, yeah, maybe take market share, or one might be a little bit more um, accepting of a particular risk point, like you know, multiple units or something, something a little unusual. But so, at any rate, at, at the onset of the loan, we've identified usually what type of loan you're getting, and um, we usually pull a quote in the very beginning from um, one of the mortgage insurance companies, ideally from multiple companies to, to see if we can find the best spot for you. Um, well, we have a pricing engine that helps us too. Yeah. And so the, the, the quote is gathered at that point. The mortgage insurance certificate is I issued at the very end of the loan. So right at, right at funding, um, it basically says, all right, with well, the parameters of the loan, um, all of the data about the borrower, the debt to income ratio, the, the credit score, the vesting, the property, the appraisal, everything's all known and, and it sort of binds those as facts then and is issued at that point. Um, does, does that help answer your question or are you thinking down a different well, line? Well, the, the reason I asked, my son got involved with some mortgage insurance and right at the end of the escrow, I mean, seriously, the 11th hour, they said, hey, we can't do it. Mm. And I was just curious where that gotcha. the, the loan approval. You know, you know how the underwriters get an underwriter say, "Here's the conditions of the loan. Yep. You got to fulfill it." So I'm wondering, how could they do that right at the end, where they had all the information? Well, and they were just yeah, I'll tell you. There's that is a good. There's point. a couple answers to this question, and um, number one is sometimes if somebody's marginal, like they're marginally qualified. Um, the mortgage insurance is a great place. I've seen people scapegoat um, a loan that's falling apart, and they'll just say they'll blame it on the mortgage insurance. So I first got to wonder if you got truthful information, mm -hmm. and you know. But beyond that, I could say that um, when you're and marginal is probably the best way for me to describe this. Let's say you're at a you have a credit score that's riding the line, like you have to have a six sixty, and maybe you have a six sixty one, or um, your debt to income ratio needs to be below 50% and it's 49.998. And let me just tell you worse yet, maybe you have a 661 FICO score and a 49.998. Um, and then also there's a reserve requirement, right? You gotta have enough cash to close 
the transaction and have a month's worth of reserves or something. Maybe you're marginal there too. So there are situations where a loan like that needs to be underwritten by a mortgage insurance underwriter where right. the loan itself is, it's approved, it's done, you squeaked in, congratulations. Now it goes over to the mortgage insurance underwriter to look at it and say, is this if, is this thing fitting all the parameters? Are we mm -hmm. comfortable insuring it? Because I don't, you know, and I, I don't want to assume how much you know about the mortgage insurance, but the beneficiary of the mortgage insurance is ultimately um, the person who owns the loan. So if I make a loan for you for $400,000 and I take out a mortgage insurance policy as required with a 25% coverage ratio, that means 25% of the loan amount. So for round numbers, that's a hundred grand. If I make this loan to you and you go belly up on it for some reason, I get a, an insurance that's going to cover me up to a hundred thousand dollars worth of losses. So, um, the mortgage insurance company, they want to know that they are making a prudent, um, insurance policy in that case too. Like any other kind of insurance is the risk worth the reward. And sometimes there are things in the process like maybe the loan officer forgot to lock the loan or, or accidentally locked it with the wrong parameters. And by the time uh, it was okay. straightened out, so then the, the interest the rate. The reason I ask is that my son, you know, he's got like, I don't know what it was. It's like over 740. Yep. You know, qualification there on on the uh, report. Yep. And then he 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 had more than enough cash to even close the thing. He had a you know 80% loan. Uh -huh. But he didn't want to do that because he wanted to save his money for something else. Yeah. And uh, I was just curious where that falls in because I was thinking, well, why at the last minute why couldn't they said, "Hey, you know, I see this at the very beginning under the underwriting process that this may be a problem, and here's what you're going to have to do rather than come to this seriously, the 11th hour. So what they said, yeah. okay, we can still do the loan, but you've got to come up with another $80,000. Yeah, so what happened which, is, which, George, which I yeah. know that he could have, and he could have, but it was just weird. It was just like all of a sudden they said, well, this guy can afford it, so let's just wipe out the insurance and do it. Oh, quote that's and really frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, I, I saved a transaction this week that Wells Fargo um, botched similarly. Um, and here's this is just one of the other things I think is really frustrating as a consumer. You just wouldn't know this, but many lenders have what we call overlays. And this is the case in this transaction with Wells Fargo where – they told this guy, hey, your debt to income ratio is almost 50%. We need to get it below 45. I need you to make a greater down payment. And so he called me and said, I don't want to put more money down. And I said, well, the debt to income ratio is truly 50% maximum, and you're under that. So Wells Fargo is just trying to make you do something that they prefer. They require it, but mm -hmm. it's not. that's not the true guideline. And so sometimes... Um, those are the things that you're bumping into. And, you know, and th those things are just super frustrating because Wells Fargo is never going to tell you, hey, this is us. This is our overlay. This is our preference. And we're making it sound as though you're out of choices. They can't say, well, every other bank out there is going to let you go to 50, but we don't. And so, um, and again, those are, that's just frustrating as a consumer. And so it, it possibly is that too, that they just had a preference and they, they scapegoated the mortgage insurance, to try to force him into making a greater down payment. 
Yeah, well, the loan, it was a loan broker, not an actual bank, so he had options, but I was just curious why he didn't bring me, that up before. Yeah, let me say one thing up. really quick, George. Um, first of all, this is a great topic. I'm glad you called in about this. And Suzanne, we'll get to you in just a sec. We have one other caller behind you, George. Um, a lot of times what loan officers will do is just get the quote and have the pricing all correct, but they don't send in that quote for certificate until the very end, right when they're underwriter on the actual loan clears all of the conditions you know they've seen all the income right. all the assets are good then depending if it's a broker usually that underwriter will now request from the mortgage company hey give us a solid binder meaning give us a policy on this mortgage insurance and at that point is when the company sees it coming through their pipeline for the first time so that insurance that mortgage insurance company now like you said in the 11th hour is saying well, wait hold on a second we're not sure we want to do this insurance. We haven't really seen all the supporting documents to make us feel good when that should have been done two, three weeks ago, you know? So yeah, in other words, a lot yeah, of times it's of mismanaged. Like process. I had a, you know what's, what's coming down the pike. Definitely. I had a young family right off the bat. I said, guys, we're not going to close escrow unless you pay this mortgage insurance off at full, um, off and full at closing. It's $8,000 at closing. We're not going to be able, even though your mortgage payment, your your mortgage insurance is $200 a month, I'm going to make it go away, but you're going to have to pay it now. You're going to have to show the underwriter you can pay it closing. I sent that in. They approved it two weeks before we closed. We closed, you know. Um, uh, hey, George, we've got Suzanne from Royal Grande calling. Yeah, Would you mind no if problem. we take her I, call? I just wanted to find out. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for calling, George. In. Suzanne, hey, welcome to Mortgage Matters. Happy Saturday. Oh, I love listening to your show. Gentlemen, I have a question, and I don't have the answer. Um, my son was buying, he did, you know, buy his home and all the above, but during the process of buying it and getting all the loan and all that, he decided to pay the car off. Yep. And um, I, I imagine the car was probably about two or 300 a month. It's been a while. They got very upset. But he had enough financial cash flow in his account and secured his job for several years. And I can remember they always said, Suzanne, you're cutting out. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, phone's just a little bit choppy. Yeah, your phone's just, a little choppy. Just, Are you on a cell phone or a landline? I'm on a cell phone. I don't know that I can improve the sound. Okay, just maybe. Uh, it's getting a little bit better. Be a little, it seems a little bit better now. It was a little choppy there. We heard you say that they got upset, and then you started to go into detail about, you know. That when he paid up. Yeah. Off. And, you know, he, it wasn't about the money. He just didn't want the debt. He wanted to have clean payments and be done with it. Why would they be upset? I don't know. Was the lender, the the home loan company, mad about the payoff of the car loan, or was the auto loan company upset that they had been paid off? The lender to the uh, house. The mortgage. Yeah. Uh, that's an unusual response. I mean, generally yeah. speaking, what we want is to see you with as little debt as possible to increase the likelihood that you're going to have success with this new home payment um, the Correct. only thing that I can think of is that sometimes there, especially this is especially true if you have like a jumbo loan, 
um, there are minimum trade line requirements. So you need to have five open and active trade lines, and two of them need to be installment in nature. So an auto loan is an installment debt, right? It's different than revolving, which is credit card debt. And so it could have been if it was a jumbo loan that they they he was then closing one of the the five trade lines that he needed, and that could potentially be problematic. Um, Otherwise, I really don't understand that's not something that I'm familiar with or used to. And I say that okay. as I have been in this industry for a long time and underwrote for a long time. So it's a it's a that's a strange set of circumstances there. And the last thing okay, I'll say it, about it is can, Yeah, go ahead. Can I ask you another question if sure. you have time? Yeah. Uh on PMI, um none of my mortgages in the past did I have PMI. But um, my second son has a PMI, principal mortgage insurance. What percent do they charge on principal mortgage insurance? Say, you know, because he pays like $300 a month for PMI. And I thought, well, how much more do you need to clean up that so you don't have to pay that? You know, that's a lot of money to a young family. It's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, and I'll tell you that um, I can't answer your question specifically, but generally speaking, private mortgage insurance is um, somewhere between 0.6% of the outstanding loan balance. Um, okay. And and we so we take that annually, right? So if it's a hundred thousand dollar loan, we do point six percent, and then you divide that number by twelve to know what the monthly payment is. Um, on an FHA loan, it is point eight five percent, and and here's the part too that um, you might want to help your son with is um, if he has an FHA loan, that mortgage insurance premium could last for the entire loan. And so really what you do right. is now you know that your mortgage insurance premium is 0.85% lasting forever. That's the same thing as interest. So you want to try to figure out how to refinance out of that sooner than later. Um, sometimes it's easy to do that. Sometimes it's not. Um, and uh -huh. then if he has a conventional loan with private mortgage insurance, then there are, there's processes that we could give him advice on on how to cancel it, um, where you could challenge it, go through a little bit of a, a paperwork process, try to get it to go away. But really, and, and this is answers for you and for anybody else listening, there's no universal truth about mortgage insurance because there's about a dozen different kinds. And so uh -huh. really what we want to do is just have a conversation where we could give you some advice, tell you, right. hey, this is what you got. This is how it goes away, when it goes away, if it goes away. Here's your options uh -huh. to make it go away sooner. Here's your options to reduce it. Here's your option to, um, to get out of it altogether. And so those really are um, conversations that need to happen uh, just one-on-one. -on -one. And so you should just okay. encourage your son to give us a call. Uh, worst thing that's going to happen is he's going to find out some things that he already knows or he suspected to be true and uh -huh. we'll just confirm that he's on the right path. Best uh -huh. thing that could happen is we might be able to save him 3600 bucks a year in mortgage insurance just after a phone call. So, Oh, I uh, like the way that sounds. You know, not that I'm money bags, but, you know, I, I, I listen to your show about three times a month hmm. and I love it. But, thank um, you. Thank you for your insight and keep doing 
what you're doing. It's wonderful. Right. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling, Suzanne. Have a great day. We had a little uh, mortgage insurance segment there, didn't we, Jay? Yeah. Uh, I wanted to tell Suzanne um, and George this is um, here's another problem, okay? There's a lot of times where um, have you let me ask you this, Mike, because you're you're a professional. You um, when you got into our industry, you took time to learn. That's right. Backwards and forwards what you needed to know to be able to help people. Right. To avoid problems, advocate for success. Um, you took it very seriously. Um, you dress the part. You look the part. You speak intelligently. Um, you're a professional. Um, have there ever been situations where you've felt somewhat ashamed to be a loan officer in the mortgage industry? Just yesterday. Just yesterday I got a call that was terrible. Like the loan officer gave advice to these poor clients about how to set up their tax returns <sighs> and what would they get for income. And now they have a $34,000 tax liability. If Dan was sitting here... Um, too much liberty there. <laughs> you can't. If, if Dan was sitting here today, we, this is this is part of. Um, I don't want to say it's why we started Central Coast Lending, but it's one of the things that gave us confidence yeah. to start this company. Yeah. Is um, Dan and I worked in the operations side of the bank, and you know, like I said, I was an underwriter. I was an operations manager. I trained underwriters. I um, held could do every function of the inside part of the mortgage transaction. So from account management, draw docs, fund loans, underwrite, do appraisal review, manage the salespeople, manage the operations staff. Um, Dan created uh, rate sheets and did the secondary marketing, was responsible for the back inside of uh, pooling and selling off our loans. The two of us did a lot of these jobs, uh, none of which were in a capacity of sales um not often speaking to the consumer right rarely directly yeah rarely um it wasn't until i became the operations manager over at countrywide that i began to have some face-to-face -face interaction because that was more of a retail environment where there are people within the branches that i managed that were there to meet their loan officer they'd have a question love the accessibility of saying well my operations manager's here. Let's go ask him if he would grant you that underwriting exception. And they'd come in and I'd, so I did get to meet some people. By the way, some of the most gratifying experiences I ever had was getting to see those people that I could help and mm -hmm. make a difference in their life. But anyway, point is, um, I worked in the mortgage business for years in an operational capacity where we relied on the salespeople to be the the communicator to the client to write to, and to put the story together and build the documentation and, and help make the case that why, when it came to the operation side, why we should agree and give this, this person or this family, this loan, whether it was a purchase or a refi. And you can imagine from debt consolidation mm -hmm. or somebody lost their spouse and now needs to do something. I mean, there's, there's a serious, lot of serious stuff. Yeah. It's big business. And, um, all the while we relied on these salespeople. And most of the time I found myself just so disappointed in the salespeople Man, take the time. You don't know what you're doing. You're right. giving bad advice. You are not helping and you make way too much money. 
They made two, <laughs> three, four, five, six times the money we made right. on the operation side where we were the one cleaning up after them. We were the one telling them, no, you did that wrong or you missed this opportunity. Um, yeah. so there's, a, there's always that rub between the ops and sales staff. But my point is I regularly found myself saying, man, the caliber of loan officer is low. And like I said, it, it's not the reason we started the company, but it gave us confidence to know that we could easily move into this space and shine in the competition. Yeah. And so George and Suzanne, here's this is, you guys are case in point for me. Somebody didn't give you all the information with your your loan or your son's loan, whatever the case is, somebody just wasn't very thorough. Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes, like I said, they'll scapegoat things like the mortgage insurance or they'll say, you know, oh, well, at the last minute, I need you to put this extra money down. They play these games and half of the time, it's because a loan officer was just lackluster. Yep. They didn't take it serious enough. They didn't take their experience and their education in the industry serious enough. And unfortunately, the repercussions are severe. Like you said a second ago, Mike, I haven't heard this story yet. I'm eager to hear it. Um, we hear this kind of thing. Oh, I went over to so-and-so loan company in mm -hmm. town, and they told me to do my taxes this way, mm -hmm. and I did. And now I owe the IRS $34,000, and I'm really in a tight spot. And you're like, man. So um, that's one of the things I always want to tell people. That's why we want to throw our hat in the ring. When you're out interviewing loan officers, you're out kicking around who's got the better rate, who's got the better deal. Let's talk about resume, too. Let's yeah. talk about uh, where somebody's going to be able to give you that care and guidance that you really need and deserve. That's where we shine. And that's also why we do this show. It's an attempt 100%. to raise public awareness and grow our credibility and let people know, hey, Central Coast Lending is the mortgage experts. That's not just clever marketing. We are the mortgage experts, we and we, we pride ourselves in that. So <clears throat> we got to do a top-of-the-hour commercial break. We'll be out for about five minutes. Grab another cup of coffee, whatever you need to do. Join us for the next hour. We're going to have a real estate appraiser on, and we're going to debate Let's me and it. Mike. All right, guys. See you in about five minutes. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Jason going to Las Vegas this week. Perfect. Woo. I was trying to keep that under the hat, Jim. Uh, I always, sorry. always watch those. Sorry, Jim, I just cut you off. Always love those like late 50s, early 60s movies where apparently everyone was in marketing and advertising and had like Dapper Dan haircuts. Well, the only people worth talking smoked about were... <laughs> smoked cigarettes and then just drank martinis. I feel like I've missed my... Oh, time yeah. era 
This is time. Hey, this bud. is timeless music, anyway. I just want to tell you, Mike, um, and I hope I, I hope I'm not the first person to ever tell you this, buddy. Since you're turning 38 this week, just do you, man. If you want to be wingtip shoes and a a brandy soaked cigar and walk around calling people doll and baby and do I mean just do you <laughs> whatever you want man I do say toodaloo as much as I can toodaloo wow that's there's a, a dated term yeah like an audio, that's a send off don't do that oh. don't do that <laughs> um, you can tell from the look on my face yeah. like I was trying to I was weighing it out and I was like maybe yeah uh, I'm still gonna modify you like I always do but do uh, you <laughs> oh man yeah in fact, that's one of the things I think about the Central Coast is we lack that that yeah. style. Because you go go work for a company in the Bay Area or something, and you meet some folks that do some stuff, man. Right. That, they're different. Mm -hmm. I remember this company we worked for out of the Bay Area. One of them was like the cousin of E40. Do you know who E40 is? He's he's a rapper. Yeah, like a uh, rapper. Dare I say Gangster ghetto rap. like ghetto rap? Gangster rap. Gangster rap. Uh, the terms are synonymous with me, by the way, ghetto and gangster, but whatever. Uh, sure. Anyhow, this dude's yeah. little cousin, right? Sounds cool. Uh, and then at the same time, you have other people that are like, you know, that jazz guy you're talking about, like hipster folks. It was just the crazy range of people. Yeah. And around here, it's like the, um, no, nah, there's not a whole lot of difference. It's like, just look around and most of the people are like on their way to a hike somewhere. <laughs> Could you imagine or if I just beach. walked in with like a dragnet hat and took it off and put it on a, a coat, the coat rack thing, and then took my first thing I do is sit down and just tap a cigarette on the desk and light that up and then say, all right, let's make some calls today. <laughs> I can imagine you doing that. Uh, well, um, you're one of my weirdest friends. I thank you. Yeah. That you means bet. a lot to me. Yeah. Um, I am actually pleased and, and really jazzed <laughs> to have our guest on the show, Jerry Reynolds with Patriot Valuations. Now, is it Patriot Real Estate Evaluations or Patriot Valuations? Because I've seen two out there, two names. Patriot Valuation. Great. Jerry Reynolds, a local appraiser, probably does like 50 appraisals a month, which is just absurd. Um, guy is working all the time, returning phone calls. Not that we really call them much, but um, I called you Thursday think you were walking into the gym and I was like hey do you want to come on the show again um and he like without hesitation yeah let's do it yeah and, um well you promised me there would be free coffee so yeah there was free coffee and I promised you I wouldn't back you in a corner in a debate which I probably am gonna do but Jerry kind of sound like a like a gangster he's like yeah well you promised me free <laughs> coffee Mike well what we didn't talk about you're from the East Coast, born that's in you true. born and raised there, correct? Ah, yep. uh, that's Newport, what Rhode it Island. is. Yep. That's what it is. That East Coast accent sounds kind of gangster. Thug, yeah, thug. it's thug. Yeah. Um, well, hey, thanks for coming on. And I do remember you were on the show. I don't know however long ago that was. Feels like a long time ago. Two were we in the studio or were we in the old studio? We were here, huh? We were here. I think we were here. Anyway, I think we just moved um, here barely. I think we hadn't been here that long. Well, listen, I uh, I appreciate you coming in today. Um, it, well, thank you. We don't get a whole lot of FaceTime with appraisers. Not and, anymore. Um, it's no, against not the anymore. rules. It's, again, it's frowned upon, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, hey, you go to your corner. You go to your <laughs> corner. Um, We're both human beings, but we can't talk. And 
you know, and, and I guess just to bring the public up to snuff, let me tell you guys uh, how how this evolution occurred, um, at least from the lender standpoint. I had uh, appraisers coming to me regularly, walk into the office with a a nice bottle of wine or, a, mm-hmm. um, you know, the missus baked you a cherry pie. And, oh, by the way, my name's Jerry and I'm an appraiser and I'd love to get uh, my name on your list. I... I work clean and fast, and uh, and and by the way, when you walk in, we see you, okay? And we're like, okay, this dude's in slacks, and he has all of his teeth, and uh, the bottle of wine's very nice. Yeah. And um, because it, it, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I got to send you uh, some of my borrowers like a single mother, and I got to send you there. That's okay, I, right. I associated with mm-hmm. this. this is essentially my referral, and I'm going to send you there. So God forbid you show up in sweats mm-hmm. and like flip flops with tube socks on, yep. smelling like cigarettes, missing a front tooth, and uh, I don't. And by the way, some guy out there right now in tube socks and sandals and sweats missing teeth is like who is this guy uh, (laughs) well that's true though i mean you think about it i represent you you when i go to the client location at the same time too uh we just want the whole experience to feel professional a lot of times borrowers are nervous about the appraiser Mm -hmm. you know because they'll tell us well do i need to clean Mm -hmm. and and should i mow the yard and uh you know the the boy the boy made this lean to ford out back and should i tear it down and um they get worked up and they know they need a good number like that's that's all part of the whole thing right um and so there it's all this whole thing and so um and then at the same time let me tell you um so anyhow that was the appraisers we looked for. Mm-hmm. Are you punctual? Are you presentable? Do you do quality work? If so, yeah, you're on the short list. Now, we get these appraisers that come in, and they are the dude in the sweats and the tube socks. You're like, dude, if you showed up here like that, I could only imagine what you're going to my client's house looking like, and you are not on my list. Or a very presentable man or woman comes in, walks and talks the part, delivers a report, and you're like, booty, you caused me nothing but problems here. You're off the list. Um, so bottom line is there was a, there was a list that worked and it it was built around those things, professionalism, punctuality, uh, being good at what you do. Uh, And that was the list we kept. Now, um, it was determined that loan officers and appraisers colluded and, um, that we were manipulating you and we were, um, you know, Asking for you to do things that you might not have felt comfortable doing. And that was part of the problem that led up to the recession is that there was loan companies, um, at least branches and in um, where the collateral value of the loan, the values there, they were they weren't dependable because of the way the reports and relationships worked and maybe bribes and collusion and those kind of things. I think it was probably more egregious in some places, uh, more so than others. But I can tell you, you know, I'm I'm an honest guy. I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm one of those dudes. I count all my putts. Okay, um, we too. have we have appraisers on the list back in the day, where you know, it's like this one dude. Um, I knew, like you said, you do 30, 40, 50 reports a month. If those are all coming from me in my shop. 
you want to make me happy, right? Mm-hmm. You're yeah. you're making pretty good scratch right off of the, this direct referral relationship. So you get too many eggs in my basket, and then I call you up and I say, Jerry, here's the deal, bud. Uh, the next door neighbor is a pretty darn good comp, and I need you to ignore it. Because right across the tracks, there's a house, and yeah, I know it's a little newer and a little bit nicer, but if you make that comp one, I get a 75% loan to value versus the 85 I'm probably going to get over here. And due to the credit score, the deal turns into a pumpkin if we go north of 80%. So, bud, hook me up. And you look at that and you go, Jason, that's dirty. I don't want to have to do that. And I go, Jerry. By the way, these things are all unsaid, right? Mm-hmm. Because you just know. You're making $10,000 a month off my shop. You're not gonna you're not gonna do me wrong, right? So I understand that those kind of things, that that stuff was at play. Like I said, worse so in some places than others, but there's potential collusion, potential favors, potential um just lack of anonymity. Um so I don't necessarily love it because now that we use the AMC thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we did all of a sudden, some of those sweatpants people were showing back up. They were like, yes, I was no good at network and I was no good at my job, but now look at me. I'm number one. I was, they, they signed up with all the AMCs first cause they didn't have anything else going on. So anyhow, that's the kind of current state of affairs. So we don't get to talk to appraisers very much. Mm-hmm. That was a long way of saying, thanks for coming. Now we know where we are. We know how we got to where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we can talk about uh, the appraisal business and the real estate economy. Um, yeah. Well, let me just say um, 50 might be a bit much. So may, yeah. I probably do average between 30 and 40 a month, but uh, but still that's a lot. Uh, that and is I, a lot. And I know what you're talking about with the, uh, the old ways. And my f- thought, now, I was friends with a lot of mortgage brokers, and I would call up you, or you would call me and say, hey, Jerry, I got an appraisal coming in. Um, you know, what do you think it's worth? And, you know, I would do comp checks and things like that. But uh, I always looked at it like, you know, I'm going to get paid a couple hundred bucks for a report, and I would never, never jeopardize my license for the sake of coming in. For sure. Uh, so to hit a number that was, uh, so I always took it from that standpoint. I mean, it, you know, I just as honest as I could, but I'm sure that stuff happened. You know, I'm sure it happened quite a bit. Well, let me just uh, tell you, know, you more like the stories I heard. It was a lot of, um, uh, just one pops into my head more like a real estate development. You know, there's these new subdivisions and the appraisals were inflated to, yeah. to bring the value in on that. Those are stories that or I even heard. price setting, right? Yeah. That kind he of sold stuff, the so. first one to his brother, all cash. Yeah, exactly. But his right. brother has a different the last comparable. name and then that's mm-hmm. comp number one. Yeah. So there's yeah, stuff like that. Those kind of things happen. But I'm and sure I'll those scenarios you, like you were describing also happen, but yeah, I, and I me think personally, I just would, locally, I would just never do it. Locally, what we saw was, especially when I was an underwriter, mm-hmm. I'd see somebody's, you know, report and go, ah, this guy's, this guy's one of the workable dudes. He's one of the dudes that, um, you know, and sure enough, because, you know, you sort of get to be a little bit of an expert in your local economy when you're looking at, like you're saying, you do 30, 40 appraisals a month. That's a lot. Yes. Um, there'd be times where I'm looking at 30 or 40 appraisals a week. And to boot, we're doing desk reviews or field reviews or a second appraisal using 
um, you know, automated engines that are pulling up comps, and we're we're getting a pretty good handle on it. So when you see, like, you know that Laguna Lake area is worth five eighty five right now for that house, and you see one come in at six twenty, mm-hmm. and you go six twenty. Good job, you guys. That that seller's stoked. The agent, listing agent, is just. I mean, they found one, and you look at it, and you like, how are we justifying this? Because you just know you can't mm-hmm. get there. And you flip and you see the name of the appraiser and you're like, here we go. And, you know, comp number one is over here off San Luis Drive. And you, come on. That's not a comp for Mm -hmm. Ocean Air. So things like that, right? And then you, so then, so then I am an underwriter and so I'll condition back. Like appraiser to comment on like the marketability of San Luis Drive versus Ocean Air. Um, and like, you know, this adjustment or that adjustment, right? Kind of pick out the things you're doing. You're basically, you're just saying they're going to, this is the one thing that that dude had to just be thinking, man, I hope this thing just gets signed off and no one looks. And so he comes back with some more nonsense, trying to back his case up, say, okay, we're ordering a desk review. The desk review goes to another appraiser who pulls up some comps and is like, this is a better comp than that comp. And wouldn't you know it, it's for 585. Mm-hmm. So those kind of things happen, but it's easy to shake out. You get to know who those players are. So there's those times, though, where that loan officer, the the realtor calls up and says, I got the perfect client for you. This guy's a slam dunk. He's buying a house off Ocean Air for $635. Whoa. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that report's getting ordered with Joe because he's the dude that I know is going to, like, work right through that issue. Sounds like you're the guy we wouldn't have wanted to send that one to because you're the guy that's not willing to cherry pick comps, try to hit a number. That's true. Uh, I think what Jason's just elaborating on is the fact that that these types of things sneak into a market without some oversight, right? Yeah. So now we have some oversight, some anonymity. Um, Reports have to be defensible. And yep. what you're that scenario you're describing, that's not a defensible report. It was the Wild West, though, wasn't yeah. it? On all fronts, loan products, uh, loan officer licensing or lack thereof, background checks of um, loan officers or lack thereof. And you can't all ex- these things. And people try to compare this market today to that market, like, oh, prices are back. Boom. Okay, so you're about starting our discussion here. Um, and this is what I wanted to tell you about why when I hear people start talking about, mm-hmm. well, the housing market's changing and we're about to go through a major correction or a recession or something, I keep wanting to just go back to, um, Inventory. okay, I'd love to hear your opinion on the matter. And then also, it's going to be really important for me that we discuss all the things that are different this time uh, because there's so much that's different. Um so much that's different and it matters so much. So um, that's part of the conversation for me today. But I do, Let's uh, a good jumping off point is what's going on in the market. Mike said you were going to come in here and make the case that values were softening. <laughs> I didn't Thanks, exactly Mike. say that. <laughs> I didn't exactly say that. I think well, it's going to come up. I think well, I don't know. Well, uh, you guys are in the mortgage business. So I don't, you know, to me... Um, Values value. We just try to, as an appraiser, you just look at what's sold in the neighborhood and you come up with a sure. number. Uh, and it's an opinion of value. It's not a fact of value. And, right. uh, you know, I just did some research before I came in here. And, you know, if you look at what well, it looks like, you know, if you look back a year from now, and I just, what I did was I looked at three bedroom houses, no criteria, other, and then three bedroom, two bathrooms, two car garage, San Luis Obispo City. 
Um, and I came up with, you know, median sale price uh, compared to a year ago is up about $20,000. And you can look at the month by month and, you know, the asking, pri- asking prices are way up, were, are much higher than they were a year ago. And they've kind of, uh, so in that sense, it hasn't yet shown up in the record. But, but you got to look at it from the terms of an appraisal, it's a historical look. So we're always looking to the back. So if we're actually in a correction or a, a downturn in the market, I, don't, I shouldn't use that word. No, I don't mean a declining market, but, you know, softening of the prices, meaning, you know, a people slow, are asking a lot a of money. A slowing of appreciation. That's a better description. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't show up right away. It's usually because yeah. we're looking at sales over a period of time. So three months from now, we can look back and say, you know what? The softening ha- start beginning, began in September. Um, you know, because that's, you know, that, that's how that would work. We don't have, it's when it's occurring, you don't see it. It's after yeah. the fact you see it. But from your standpoint, if you're, you guys are in the mortgage business, if I was someone out there looking to refinance and you're hearing that this market may be softening, which means prices may slow a little bit, this would be a good time to refinance because if you want to the get comparables, out. the comparables are at a higher level now than they will be in a couple months. Yeah. And I mean, at the same point is that rates are as low as they're going to be mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. Um, unless a recession comes. Unless we have some kind of recession or just, and you know, a recession though, Mike, um, and I know you know I this. I got you off but topic. No, a recession is uh, already winning. <laughs> defined as, but truly a recession is defined as negative GDP growth for two Absolutely. consecutive quarters. Absolutely. We're By so definition. far from that, it's ridiculous. Mm. And anybody who wants yeah. to make the case that GDP is under fire right now, I'm ready for you. Uh, that's nuts. Now, yep. are, is there some headwind to GDP? Sure. Let's talk about trade that. Deficit. Rising interest rates, trade deficit, tariff negotiations. Uh, these things, That's headwind to GDP. I get that. Yep. Housing um, starts. So, yep. yeah, looking forward, is it possible in... Four, six, nine quarters from now that we experience a recession? Sure. Anybody willing to say they see that far out and believe it's impossible, um, they should buy the first round. That person's a kook. Um, at the same time, Technical you know, go, getting back to topic here is um, we have, we're in an environment right now where interest rates are, we, we need to call them 5% now. The, the average Absolutely. walk-in client this week that's getting um, a conventional loan of a, of a slow county loan amount is getting a 5% interest rate yep. or, or pertinent. There's a little little mm. bit of uh, cases where, you know, they might have really favorable characteristics that would drag them down into that four and seven eighths. But we're, we're at that 5% mark now. And, and Jerry, one of the things I like, you, you already referenced that uh, valuing, especially when you're using comparable sales that have recently closed mm-hmm. it's a snapshot of a of the most recent history it's yeah. it's backward looking mm-hmm. um we we always are used to that we see that backwards view um and i pay particularly close attention to that where um when the interest rates move is this doesn't change what's happening like you so you read this month about existing home sales or or building permits um, those aren't a direct result of what today's interest rate is. That um, 
that's probably three months down the road or right. six months down the road. Um, back in the during the active recession time, uh, one of the things we talked about a lot is that the economy is kind of like a super tanker, one of those huge ships. You can't stop this thing on a dime. Mm -hmm. You can't accelerate this thing on a dime. Trying is in vain. Um, any changes to the heading of that vessel is turn this dial to move five degrees northwest, wait six months. That's what's happening with our economy. We make these changes. We see this thing come about, which is one of the reasons why I think we may actually be nearing the top of where our economy can withstand rates um, at 5% 30-year fix with housing yeah. being expensive as it is. Um, I, I feel like I, I'm going all over the place, but one of the challenges mm -hmm. is you meet with the with the builders. Um, they can't build homes for less than what they're appraising for right now. Mm -hmm. There's a scarcity of land, labor, and materials. Mm -hmm. So at some point, this this uh, supply and demand crisis just keeps pushing, and the the rate and the amortization term compounds the lack of affordability. So um, yeah. That's right. I agree that we might be losing steam on that six, seven, eight percent year over year appreciation. What's the median home price right now? You said it's gone up twenty thousand bucks. Yeah. What are we talking? Five seventy and slow? Well, these numbers don't represent that, now. but it's uh but you're you're probably right. Somewhere in the ballpark. Right? Five hundred to six hundred. Yeah, pushing the high fives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's Citywide. I mean, if you of could course. take particular neighborhoods, if you're down in Old Town, slow. I so mean, twenty seven, grand year seven, over year, though. Yeah. Twenty grand year over year is still representing four or five percent mm -hmm. home price appreciation. Yeah. yeah, but we, you know, we may look at this in a few months, and it's not twenty thousand anymore. It may stay, you know, like around you know five or ten percent. But that's what you were just describing there. Yeah. We can look I, back in a few months, and we'll see what the change yeah. is. I believe that. We see, I mean, the so my counter to what you're saying, Jay, is that at 5% interest rates, I agree with that. Anyone that comes in today and, you know, wants to put 10% down with a 720 credit score and has mortgage insurance is going to have about a 4.875 to 5% interest rate. And that, I think, is starting to flatten this appreciation, you know, game that everyone's been in for the last five years. Well, so that's an obvious conclusion, though. But because of that, what happens? Are sellers going to continue to sell and be comfortable with the price they get? Are they going to replace the property with another higher priced home? I mean, the answer is they're going to do all of the above. And uh, the, that's because there's no people got to live somewhere. One size fits all. Well, Mike, I mean, from an appraiser standpoint, you guys have all seen that picture to what you think your home looks like, right? And mm -hmm. it's like a mansion. Mm -hmm. um, I have seen that. What the appraiser thinks your home looks like, and it's like a outhouse. Uh, what the lender thinks your house looks like, and it's like a manufactured home at the top of an oil platform. Okay, there's all these different perceptions, and my point is, I think that when people are listing homes, like you, so you see some people start saying, "Well, we're seeing more price reductions." Okay, I kind of expect that because. If you're listing your home where you know that prices are appreciating five or six percent a year, um, you some people are just going to set top dollar. Well, I'm not in a hurry. 
uh, I just I'm going to sell my house for six oh five, and the realtor says, yeah, but all the comps are five ninety. So well, so what? I'm going to get six oh five. I can always come down to five ninety. So thirty days goes by, they come down to five ninety because today's buyer is pretty discerning. A lot of technology at their fingertips. They understand when something's overpriced. Yep. So it comes down to five ninety, and everybody says, oh, look at the amount of price reductions we're seeing in slow right now. Yeah, but you're pointing out. First of all, it's relatively low volume. There's not that many houses for sale here. And the price reductions could very well be strategy. A seller that just didn't listen in the first place or thought they could fish a fool. So um, <laughs> those things, you, those are natural conclusions. And it's a natural conclusion for you to say, well, as interest rates go up, that prices should stabilize, flatten, and maybe even decline a little bit. And I say, maybe. They just might. At you can't, you can't um, give up on the fact that we have a scarcity in housing right now that the country's never faced before. Yeah, and we can't, due to the bureaucracy, um, uh, the red tape, and expenses of building, let alone the scarcity of land, labor, and materials. Uh, we have no way of solving this supply problem. And I think that that stands in the face of yeah. that's going to buoy these values. So you're going to that's see, your strongest argument for sure. I mean, it's let's the, put a pin in this just for a sec and let our sponsors let's put talk. Put a pin in it because without these sponsors, you'd have to pay to listen right now, people. <laughs> so stick around. We'll be right back for more mortgage matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Linen. The most critical part of buying a home is getting pre-approved for a mortgage. Pre-approved buyers are taken more seriously, enjoy a less stressful transaction, and close faster with no last-minute surprises. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Loan. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-396-08. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328-358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Santana's guitar licks are like a hot knife through butter. Yeah. Just, I've seen a lot of bands. Never seen Santana. Love to see. My dad's seen Santana. He loves him. I was talking to a real estate agent last night. Um, George Fisher told me that over the summer he went to Las Vegas and got to see Carlos Santana. And I was like, mm, that's a bucket list for me. Yeah. Though I have to admit, it was a little bit of a put off to hear. How egotistical he is, but um, yeah. the guy's a ridiculous guitar player, and yeah. songwriter. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, no. this is not a music show. We're not breaking down music. But we do like music. We are human beings. <laughs> we are human beings. I have some friends, though, that don't even like music. It's like when they drive, they just listen to talk radio or some podcast that has mm. nothing to do with music. Wow. There's some prudence to that. But That's I, weird. I, I, I actually, people. I relax to music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I relax. To music. Jerry, do you listen to music? You better say yes, yes. now. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> what's your favorite band? What's in What's in your tape deck right now, Jerry? Um, you know, I just I have a lot of music services, and just they just play everything. You, you let it go. You know, country and western, and rock and roll, classic rock and roll, Sirius XM, Beatles. I mean, all, I like, I'm going to Boots and Brew today, country and western. So that's, I like both kinds of music, country and western. <laughs> mm. Wow. <laughs> there you have it. Simple uh, as that. My, my, deep, uh, my deep secret that uh, people that know me well, and I think listeners of show know too, I'm a deadhead, man. I love the Grateful yep. Dead. He sure is. They're amazing. I think I would have been a sublime head if they lasted. They were pretty good, but they have, I mean, they're a totally different band. But for where I was at in my life when they passed away, that was a great band for me. I'll tell you how significant the dead is to me. Um, there's the, they're the best band, I think, ever. And um, when I was, I was going to the 50th reunion show a couple years ago, three years ago now, and uh, Mike popped out of his cubicle and said something about... Uh, Cause I was like, 
50 years. And Mike stood up and was like, you know, the Rolling Stones have been around for 50 years. And I said, the Rolling Stones are not even close, not even close. The you're gonna caliber. Start, you're going to start a whole other debate now. Of the Grateful Dead. And Mike was like, you're making yourself sound silly. And I was like, are you <laughs> kidding me? I will think about that comment on my deathbed, Mike Points. You have educated me. I am I am more in favor of your comment now than I was then. <laughs> but you got to really research the Rolling Stones. I and mean, they were exiled. I'm not, I'm not saying and, and exiled on Main Street. Yep, sent to France. They bought a beautiful mansion in France and made a great record there. Probably one of their best records of all time. All right. They're they're really old. I got. We it. only have Mike. We only have twenty more Stop minutes it. with Jerry, so let's get back on track. How come you always get to talk, and then when I talk, we go back to Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because it's my show. Yeah, you're right, Jerry. Yes. It's, it's our I kid. It's our show. Right, right before we went to the break, we mm -hmm. were getting right into the stuff that the real listeners are listening for, and that is, you know, the spread on the appreciation this year on properties right here in Slow. You do the whole county. Mm -hmm. um, what areas of the county are you like, whoa, look at that little place popping up? Like, I, I personally, I'll just kick this off. I think Grover Beach has a ton of potential. I really like Grover Beach. Really? Yeah. It's a coastal town, A. Yeah. It's right on Highway 1. People forget this. Can we all agree, by the way, that coastal real estate in San Luis Obispo County is like such a crazy value compared to the rest of the state? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that there's right. some expensive parts of Shell Beach and stuff, but you get like, not like I just trip out on something oceanfront in like Los Osos or Morro Bay or something where it's like, man, if this was in Southern California or, or, it, or something, oh my goodness, yeah, it's wild how undervalued coastal real estate is here. Mm -hmm. The trip expensive for this area, but so for the dollars, yeah. right? so for the people that are you know not thinking of selling, just going to hold this house, or maybe mm -hmm. they got a couple rentals. What area do you see like some pretty impressive values? Well, like you guys were just describing, the coast properties, every, all the values are up everywhere. Grover Beach is up. It's, it's you know what? Here's um, I did some other printing out, some other stuff. CoreLogic produces um, county sales mm -hmm. by city, but by county. Um, you know, every month, and it's a year look back. What they do is they uh, they'll take a look at September. Well, these this one's from August, so August of two thousand eighteen compared to two August of two thousand seventeen, and countywide, it's up six point one percent. And then each town is varies from which there is right. Like six point one percent is it's right in hot. line with the national average. Yeah, that's twenty percent yeah. higher. But. You know, it used to be, I mean, the coastal communities were always more expensive, and but you could get better deals like in Atascadero, Templeton, you know, mm -hmm. inland a little mm -hmm. bit, Santa Maria, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Santa Margarita, uh, or even Santa Maria, actually. But numbers are up everywhere. Yeah. You know, so it's... even if, um, but I guess I'm always amazed at the, the um, you know what I always think about is like the condos and things like, even though, it, it, I well, I, I think of it in terms of if I was a first-time home buyer. Right. And I'm looking to buy my first house, and my first house was like probably in the seventy something eighty thousand um, dollars. And today, your first house is three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So I, that's what always amazes me how to how to uh, a young couple just starting out swing that. Yeah. Well, take but, some sacrifice, mm -hmm. and um, you know. But the the one thing about that too, though, is that um, yeah, it's expensive. 
But rents are also really expensive. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when we get done with all of the the math crunching, if you a lot of times people live in slow and then they want to, you know, my office is up in Atascadero. So my my expertise lately, um, like I consider myself just an expert in North County. If you ever need help coming up with a value of a property in North County, you can call me, Jerry. Um, <laughs> that wouldn't that wouldn't be crossing any lines, would it? Not well, I mean, not, not, not if I'm not the loan officer. It's not a Central Coast mm -hmm. lending loan. Mm -hmm. not, obviously, I'm kidding. But um, that's just where I see so much going on. But you see a guy... Um, or a gal or a family leaving behind a rental house in slow to buy a single family like starter home in a Tascadero, those payments are not very different, mm. uh, especially when you take into consideration the tax savings that you get right. for having that mortgage uh, write off. But, um, you know, one of the things I think is that a lot, it is a little bit of a gut check. I mean, things are expensive. Mm -hmm. And, um, for the first couple years, as you get used to it, you got to change your lifestyle, and your lifestyle changes for more reasons than just the the house payment, doesn't it? I mean, if we're being honest, mm -hmm. you see that. What do you mean by that? Well, your yard looks different to you as a homeowner than as a tenant. Oh, for sure. You like walk by and you're like, is it back part of that fence sagging a little bit? Dang, put that on the list. You know, yep. Little weeds over here. What's that drip? You start you start thinking about things differently and. Um, you know, shut the door on the microwave and you think to yourself, well, you know, that when you're a tenant, you don't think twice about that thing made popcorn, right? When you're a homeowner, you do, you think about everything. So you're just, your mentality, I think shifts a little bit. And the first couple years are hard. Things are expensive. It's a little overwhelming. Everything's your job. And when you come out to that puddle in the garage, cause the water heater finally rusted out, and you're like, man, I guess I'm getting a crash course in how to do a water heater right now, whether that is you going to Home Depot or calling a plumber. Um, there's a lot to learn. But then after a couple of years, you kind of, it's been my experience anyways, is you pull your head up and rents have pretty much caught your mortgage payment and you've adapted to your budget and now you have a little bit of breathing room, got a little equity. Yep. Um, starting to, to feel like, okay, well, I got some traction now. Um, and I see that with all the first time home buyers that we've done loans with over the years. And these last, um, you said four years and I was like, mm, I'm going to go seven. The last seven years, if you bought a house in this County in the last seven years, Yahtzee, yeah. <laughs> you're, you've got equity racking up. You, some of these people I've seen are on their third house in the last seven years because they're like, oh, I've seen one up by a hundred grand. So now I'm going to get that extra bedroom I wanted. And oh, this is sweet. They're making more money at work because the economy's better. And they're like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to cash in this hundred grand in equity and go throw this 200 grand down now on the house with the view that, cause why not? And, um, you know, so seven yeah. years run of that is like, there's so many people that real estate, um, over this last seven years has been a game changer for them. And it's fun to be a part of that, you know, um, whether you're owning or helping, I agree with that, Jay. And you made a really good comment. I mean, the supply side of this supply demand equation or, you know, bar graph, however, excuse me, um, line graph you want to talk about is, is really tough. Supply is the, in my opinion, the number one issue. There are just not enough units on the market to allow the borrower to be choosy, excuse me, the buyer to be choosy. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I know I'm segueing a bit here, but I want to say that I think that the materials cost, I mean, you do that in your reports, right, Jerry? You figure yeah. out how much it costs to replace this home. Yeah, the cost approach, yeah. Well, and you remember, though, um, at the tail end of the recession in like nine ten, beginning part of 11, you do a cost approach on an appraisal. Like 440 it. grand and uh-huh. the sales price 365. That's right. Yeah. Place wasn't even selling for the value of the sticks, man. Yeah. And then so construction dropped off at that time too. Because well, it had to, right? It had to, yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. That's a big ramification. That's like a friend mm-hmm. I know that was in the oil industry. They had a oil, um, a big oil enterprise over in the valley. And, uh, you know, they did pretty good. They were getting their oil was coming out of the ground at at sixty dollars a 60, barrel, yeah. and so as long as oil was seventy, eighty, ninety bucks a barrel, Yahtzee, mm-hmm. all of a sudden oil went to fifty nine dollars a barrel. And guess what? Yeah, it's a losing proposition to take that out of the ground. So they went belly up overnight. I still don't think much of that industry has even recovered. The it's um, trying to come back now. It's trying, yeah. Um, but guess what? A recession would bring <laughs> a decline in oil prices. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I won't argue both sides of the coin there. But um, yeah, it's a. So now we're in a position though where the cost to build is through the roof, right? Mm-hmm. Super yeah. expensive, and it gets more expensive every turn. Um, yes, you know, so we got like California right now is mandating that all homes now by 2020 solar. got solar on mm-hmm. them. net zero, the, the property itself. If you take out a permit, it's very responsible by the way. And I don't want to be, um, uh, pinned down as the guy that's mocking no, but the environmental advances. You're I'm talking, talking in context of cost. Yeah. We're piling on. Yeah. Like it's like you're you've got this issue. People are crying for affordable housing, and we see oh well, we got to make it more affordable. Um, okay, I love those buzzwords; they're everywhere, and I love the the campaign for affordable housing. Um, in true vein of not the left not knowing what the right hand is doing, we're ever increasing the cost to build up the other side. Uh, you know, with from labor costs, materials costs, taxes on materials and, you know, reviews. And we got a architectural review and a historical review and a review review and a permit review. And, a you know, it's it's, it's wild. It's very expensive to build today. So we're um, those things and that what's changing there. You mean what's changing in that process itself? Yeah. Well, well, I'm I'm just asking you what what's going to make building a new house more uh, affordable. It's a community issue, so it's going to be things that the community can solve. Things like sales tax, bonds, things of that nature. It's not. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna take it out of the um, the revenues. Yeah, the revenues to the local government agencies, state and local agencies. That's never going to happen. Well, it's a discussion that's happening. Um, what's going to be executed? Who knows? But you know the city. The... And is it enough to make it the whole way too? I mean, my experience is those things usually just scratch the surface. County of Santa Clara is doing. You need a buck, line. and you could get a ton. You could get a dime out of reducing administrative costs. You know, through. Well, I'm not. Yeah, I I I feel like we're getting a little bit off topic because on something that I don't know enough about. But what I do what I do want to 
acknowledge in your point is that 100% building is, you know, it's going up a ton, like six times what it was 10 years ago. And, uh, I was, talking, labor, I was talking to a builder a couple of weeks ago that was saying that since the first of the year, he is having a labor cost that has increased 40% and is now on a lottery to get studs to build spec homes. That's another function of it that I don't think should be happening. There's only six companies that own all the wood. I tried to buy wood. I tried to buy lumber futures three years ago. Couldn't even buy them. Yeah. I think there's a, but you know what? People are leaving the state now because of this. No, they're not. People are not leaving the if state. If they were leaving the state, if what you're saying had any merit whatsoever, there would be homes for sale and rental vacancies. So, yeah, maybe some people are leaving, but show me out in the market where that's created a supply. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I, I mean, I saw the KSBY feature, too. I've I've heard the stories about this business is packing up and moving, and these people are all heading off to the land of milk and honey, wherever that is. Um, but I've yet to see how there that is moving the needle at all on our supply of housing. Yeah, it's not milk and honey; it's marijuana, and it's in Denver. <laughs> <laughs> here too. Yeah, it's here as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not one percent has left the state, but we're supposed to grow by one percent a year in inventory i mean that's like a state that's a that's a yeah, recommended but, growth rate but so here's uh, understood and then here's a challenge though mike um anybody that bought or refinanced a home in that last seven years like i said yahtzee you want to know what other part of that was the uh, just a great roll of those dice you were ultra low interest rate um, let me run some reports for you about how many um, hundreds of millions of dollars of local mortgages that just Central Coast Lending, little old Central Coast Lending, doled out to homeowners in this county that are sub three and three quarters percent. So how many of those people in 2019 are going to go, huh, well, look at that. Home prices have come down 5%. Maybe I should move. Yeah. They're not going to cash in their three and a half for a five or six or 7% mortgage. Right. So you've further compounded existing home sales, move up buyers, any of those problems, but putting all of the strain back on building new homes to solve the supply problem. And let me just ask you this, Jerry. That's a terrific um, point. Where's it going in in our county? Where we? Where are the? Where are we? Like the people are like, yep, right there. Put the housing there. We'll take it. Where is that happening? <laughs> I, there's a huge development coming here in San Luis Obispo, right? And yeah, it's a lot. You know what they tend and to be And it's highly more, contentious, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and um, and nobody wants it in their backyard because we all love the open space around here. But um, it those tend. A lot of stuff happening in Paso like that. And well, Templeton we love is the new open stuff. space. We do. And a lot of the new construction like that, it tends to be very small lots, very uh, larger homes and small lots or attached homes, right. townhouses and things like that. Okay. So, so not, but but so I can't live in that. No. Um, the, no. The, I, I can't afford to move to the place in San Luis that's on multiple acres worth a 3,000 right. square foot house mm -hmm. built new. I mean, I don't have $1.5 million. Mm -hmm. And then 
So the flip side of the coin is you want me to move into a zero lot line shared home with paper thin walls where I got to like live mm-hmm. up on top of the neighbors next door. I can smell their spaghetti dinner and hear their um, surround sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to live like that either. But at the same time, how many units is that? And is that moving the needle? Well, that's the most uh, what would you call it? Uh, efficient use of the land. Sure. But it's yeah, not always yeah, yeah, the best. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want it. Personally, that wouldn't be. I wouldn't look for that. Myself. It's a good use of the land. I, mm-hmm. I, and I'm and I'm not suggesting people shouldn't live like no. that. If you can live like that, and you or you have to because that's what you can afford or whatever. I'm thankful yeah. that those are your that there is an option for you. But I just getting away from that being the um, the desirability of that housing. I just want to go back to the units wise. Mm-hmm. Um, does that move the needle? Depends on doesn't how many new, there are, but there's new. a lot of demand. So will it really make a difference? I don't know. Um, Over the next five years, we're going to have 3,000 units brought into the city of Slow by way of Rigetti Ranch, Avila Ranch, and well, San Luis Ranch. That's awesome. That's to be seen. I live in one of the bedroom communities, and I'm chomping at the bit to move back. So provided that I can get a mortgage in the threes, I'm, I will, I'll be one of the people that come back to slow. That would be neat. I, I say that as it's coming out of my mouth. I'm like, man, it's not true. I, I don't <laughs> want to leave North County. I love living in South Atascadero. Um, but the how, But kind of my point, too, though. We know a lot of people are commuting to slow. Look at the, that bend going around... Uh, shell beach right there mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. any afternoon mm-hmm. yeah uh it's packed even 227 is packed which is why i think it's great that you guys are going to throw three thousand more units here in town because los osos valley road and uh madonna and south higuera and that been the freeway 227 in the afternoon now like going past the airport's a nightmare um so it's going to be hard we're going to have to work on circulation a little bit too um but how many people are going to be like, sweet, they built some more houses, so now I can finally move from that bed commun- bedroom community into slow? That is the plan, Stan. I mean, the first people to get the rights to the lot sh- have to either live in slow already or work in slow. If they can't afford it, after that wave of people come, then the rest of the community has a shot. I'm glad that that is a, I'm glad that that regulation or, you know, step in front of the market that the government's doing is happening because of exactly what you're saying. I'm I'm actually very worried as a slow resident that that's gonna be a big problem. We don't have the ability to just build this infrastructure. We tried to put Measure J on the ballot, people didn't vote for it. Well, now Sacramento tells us what we do with our roads. So we want 227 to be four lanes, but they're like, hey, fix 101. Whoa, four lanes through wine country? <laughs> four lanes total. Understood. Yeah. Just saying. It's a- it get... doesn't seem like it fits there. Yeah. Hey, um, I want to say I, I wish that we had another hour to spend with you, Jerry, but um, our time is drawing to an end. And um, thanks for coming on today. And there's there are um, people I know that are listening that would need access to an appraiser like you mm-hmm. for estate purposes or mm-hmm. um you know not not all real uh appraisal transactions are based on That's a correct. sale and That's so correct. those people could call you yeah, so how do, do they reach you uh it's a uh, jerry j-e-r-r-y at patriot 
valuation.com. Phone number is 805-234-2169. And you're right. As, as a matter of fact, within the last couple of months, uh, within the last probably month and a half, I've done two divorce, two estate, and um, two other ones for personal, personal reasons. And for any of you that are driving or don't have access to a pen or whatever right now, uh, we obviously know how to get a hold of Jerry. So if, if you true. need Jerry's services, you can reach out to us. Uh, centralcoastlending.com or 543-LOAN. I know I need to say 805 now because Google gave away all those Google numbers and wrecked our area code. Um, yeah. We should have had, we should have saved time in the show to talk about that. I like to rant about that too. Yeah, we anyways, if you guys need any loan help, I mean, we spent some time in the show in the first hour talking about mortgage insurance. Um, Happy to talk about that. We'd love to be able to give you some, um, just some good counsel about what the best thing for you to do is. Find us this week on the web, centralcoastlending.com, or call us at 805-543-LOAN. Otherwise, we'll be back next week with another episode of Mortgage Matters. 